0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end, Logan Paulson, and former Commander's Beat reporter, Craig Hoffman.
0: Take Command Podcast coming at you early on a Monday morning. So, Logan, have you had, had your coffee yet? You caffeinated? You ready to go?
1: You know, Craig, I don't drink coffee. I just get up and, you know, suffer through the day.
0: <laughs> I got a little a spo- a tea, uh, spot of tea. Spot of tea? I do yeah. prefer
1: tea to coffee. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. If I, I were like, to do one, it would be tea.
0: Yeah, I like I like coffee. Uh, I typically what I drink. I just didn't want to have coffee. I don't know. I felt like my throat was a little dry, so I went with a little mm. tea, a little honey uh and let's let's see how this podcast goes early on a monday morning uh so appreciate everybody checking this out wherever it is you're watching or listening if you haven't started watching the podcast yet you keep hearing us talk about it full episodes are now available on the odyssey sports page on youtube so make sure that you check us out there i'll still post a lot of clips on my youtube page youtube.com slash at craig hoffman and we'll also post some on 106.7 the fans page as well but logan Obviously, a weird week for us in the podcast. We get in this nice rhythm of yeah. review the game, preview the next one, talk about the big issues around the team, and uh, and then there's no game. Uh, so, what did you do with your with your Sunday? How much football did you watch, and how nice was it to just be able to watch multiple games if that's what you were doing versus focusing on uh, on the one
1: yeah, I mean, I don't have cables, so I'm always like checking on my phone, the <laughs> scores and stuff. and it's just I think it's just really interesting like the parody and like how certain teams are kind of getting hot at the right time. certain teams are kind of cooling like Tennessee, that Tennessee Jacksonville game I thought was fascinating because Trevor Lawrence seems to have turned a quarter. I think four of his last five games, he's graded above like 85 percent or 85 whatever that number is at PFF and it's shown up. you know, he's been very productive and there's that guy that everyone was talking about as being that generational talent. Sands, Urban Meyer, I think, is really interesting. Obviously, Tampa Bay looking like absolute garbage the past couple of weeks, you know, just not able to figure anything out offensively. um, I think is, and then Miami seems to be kind of hitting a misstep two weeks in a row now, which is interesting. Um, And I don't know, it's, it's just fun to kind of keep track of that stuff, I think. And, you know, looking around the division specifically, like, obviously, Philly, I think watching that Philly game, I know we're going to talk about it more in a couple of days but the Philly Giants game I thought was really interesting because it shows you how good Philly is and I honestly just the margin for error when you're playing a ball control style offense like like the Commanders play because they were the Commanders in our first outing were one or two big plays away from having a score look very similar to that which sounds crazy but when you watch the game the game flow was very similar um obviously the Cowboys almost losing to Houston was was pretty wild considering how bad Houston's roster is. Um, But it just shows you every week, man, you got to come, put your mouthpiece in, buck your head uh, helmet up and and go get it. So um, I like that. I know a lot of fans don't like that there's not like a juggernaut in the NFL at the moment, but I like that it's scrappy and it's tough. And, you know, I enjoy that.
0: Yeah, I mean the Chiefs and Broncos, Broncos finally oh, yeah. get some offense going, yeah. uh, but Chiefs ultimately pull that one out. The Buccaneers thing is wild because now you've got in the NFC South literally no one that should be in the playoffs. There yeah. should be, like I feel like with the new 17 game schedule, I was thinking about this last night. This is gonna sound like a wacky idea. Radio guy with the wacky idea, but like, shouldn't you have to win eight games to get in the playoffs? Like if you if you That's can't finish eight and nine, do you belong in the playoffs? Well, you got Tampa at six and seven uh at the top of that division. And Carolina, Carolina is one game out. The Panthers don't belong in the playoffs this year. I mean, the one team In in what world do they belong in? Are you going like that? Team should be allowed to compete for a championship. And frankly, the Buccaneers at this point are are like that too. Like, if you can't, in in a 17 game schedule, if you can't win, and I know it's supposed to be like by division and like, oh, what if you get a really tough division where teams knock down, drag out, fighting each other? You can't get to. (laughs) You can't get to eight,
1: right? Come on, yeah. I oh, think it's uh, awful, yeah. But you know, again, Carolina is kind of getting sneaky hot right now, and Seattle out cooling down, so. You know, like I just think back to that Seattle game against uh, New Orleans a couple of years ago when they were eight and eight or whatever they were. They were seven and nine. Seven and nine, and they beat New Orleans. You know, so like yeah. it just the the matchup, the home game advantage, all that kind of stuff. Um, I know Atlanta didn't play this weekend, but is Desmond Ritter going to start for them? The remainder of that's the season? that's the
0: plan, which is hilarious because they're a game out of the division at five and eight, and they said as long as we're in it, you know, we we're going to keep riding with Mariota, and they they are going to go to Desmond Ritter after oh, yeah.
1: the bye. I think um, that's a really smart move, though. I think it's like after watching, I thought because like I fell in love with Atlanta after watching them against us because I'm like, this is a team that knows who they are. And if they can get a passer who can complete passes, they're going to be pretty dang good. <laughs> so like I watched their, their, their game last week and I was like, man, if they can complete, you know, five more passes in this game, they easily win. So I'm sure, you know, uh, Arthur Smith is a smart guy. He's probably looking at that roster saying, man, like we're actually not that far off if our quarterback can play a little bit better. He did a little zone read in college, not the same way Mariota did, but you know. And then you look at Houston with a two quarterback system. Maybe you can deploy something like that, like have Mariota have his package, and the, you know what I'm saying. So, like, I don't yeah. know. I think that's a smart move, and uh, it'd be really interesting to see if they can make a push because I really like that team right now, and I think they're way closer than people think. So.
0: I think what's really wild is you just kind of scroll through the divisions, like some of these teams that just don't make sense record wise this year. It's one of the like I'm sure statisticians will study the 2022 and like <laughs> economists and people who look at, you know, expected performance type of things, um, because like in the AFC East, every team has a positive point differential every AFC's. single team the the uh-huh. the bills are plus 132 points for versus points against on the year. Uh the dolphins are plus 4. Hmm. Uh then you have the Jets plus 21 and the Patriots who play tonight currently sit at plus 23. The really? Ravens and the Bengals in the AFC North are above the Browns and Steelers are below. Like that's what a division theoretically is supposed to look like. Yeah. But then the Titans in the AFC South are they're 7 and 6 uh, over 500 leading the division at a minus 35 on the year. Oh my gosh. The Jaguars have now pulled even. They're at 0 and mm-hmm. then the Colts and Texans are obviously well under. Um and then the NFC North there are three teams that are under uh on point differential and one team that is over. The team that is over is not the 10 and 3 Ooh. Minnesota Vikings. They are actually under on the year by a point because they've won games by such a slim margin and they've gotten blown out now a couple of times, yeah. including by the Lions yesterday. And the Lions at 6 and 7 are plus 2 on the year. The entire NFC South is at least minus 24 point differential. The best point differential in the division is the Falcons at minus 24. And then everyone else is floating around minus 30, minus 32. So you just have like these entire mm. divisions that by point differential, which is a tip, typically a pretty predictive stat, uh, and, and like a good stat to measure how good a team really is. I mean, for instance, the Bills and the Niners are far and away the best two teams in, in the league this mm. year um, in that stat. Like you have two entire divisions that are minus in point differential on the year. It's It's bananas. And another one that would be if the Jags weren't zero even. Yeah. So it's, it's truly wild uh, in terms of the parody in the NFL, but it's not like it's, I mean, it is parody week in and week out. It is parody where, you know, any team could win, um, on any given Sunday against any other team, but it also is kind of divided where you have a couple of divisions like the AFC and NFC East that seem to be having great years as entire divisions and these other divisions where it's, it's anybody's game because nobody's actually that good.
1: Yeah, and I think that that shows itself. I mean, like when you watch Minnesota play, you're not like, man, this team is really good. You know, they're not like they're not like the Bills or the Chiefs or Philly. They're like in a different tier, and I think a little bit of that is expressed in that metric you just mentioned, right? Because they're they're never blowing teams out. They're never in a dominant way. The defense isn't outstanding. They have good players, no doubt, but you know, like they they're giving up a ton of yards. Kirk is having his like worst statistical year, I think. It's like since his rookie year or since his third year in the league. So obviously like that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's a really interesting statistic. And I think, again, that, that feels right, you know, and for um, San Francisco to be again, one of those top tier teams, I think you feel that. And it's interesting because obviously the commanders play them coming up. And I think you see how good they are offensively. You see all the weapons they have. I mean, Brock Purdy's their quarterback. And I like Brock Purdy a lot coming out. I thought he'd be like a good rotational kind of high-end backup type guy in the NFL. But, obviously, Kyles elevates him, you know, and, like, you don't really feel like you're even missing a beat without Jimmy Garoppolo. So, um it, I don't know. It's just it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, and how about that game with Kansas City? Like, Holmes throws three interceptions, and, like, it gets all crazy, you know what I mean? So, it's – um I don't know. It just, it's fun, man. I, I really enjoy this that you kind of, when you're doing, when we're doing our pick or when I do my pick for the Fox five show um, on Sunday, like, I don't really know, you know, there's no, I'm, I don't have like a confident thing. It's a lot of like, this team seems like they're getting hot. This is a good matchup for them. And you kind of make your picks that way, which is a little bit unusual out, outside of how I would normally do it. And I think that is again, indicative of this, this parody, this kind of unusual statistical year, like you just referenced.
0: Yeah, it is a a really bizarre year and teams that have also the last like kind of big picture thing I want to talk about real quick before we move on to a couple more of your commanders questions. Uh, And obviously we will get into uh, some of the defense in terms of a self scout uh, as promised on the pod. But you have so many teams that have turned their fortunes mid year and the commanders certainly fit into that mold. But if you talk about teams like I mean Tennessee's going a, l- a little bit the wrong direction right um, They've now lost three in a row but Jacksonville, they've been a little bit more up and down steady but have, have turned it on more as of late. Um, the Raiders, I mean well, the crazy thing about the Raiders is they really turned it around because they were the weren't they the last team to get a win yeah um, and then all of a sudden pulled themselves to five and seven. And then they lose on Thursday night football on a 98 yard drive to Baker Mayfield and the Rams right. right Baker Mayfield and the Rams a sentence that literally did not exist a week ago, um, and then you've got Washington who obviously started two and four uh, and and has turned it around to be seven and five. Um, Detroit also really struggled for a while yeah. there. The Commanders were the only team that they had beaten, and now they're six and seven on the verge of a playoff spot. Um, so it, it really is wild how some of these teams in Carolina fired Matt rule and has turned turned around to five and eight and they're suddenly in the mix in the NFC South because the NFC South is terrible. Um, yeah. but it is really interesting how some of these, like, it feels like more teams than usual. I would say have like completely turned it around and some of them in a sense, I feel like we saw it coming. Like, I don't think people thought Washington was that bad. Mm-hmm. People certainly thought, I mean, part of this was the hard knocks thing, but, like people certainly thought Detroit was posed to do some damage. And it, even if you watch their games earlier in the season, you're like, man, they're good offensively. If they can stop yeah. being abysmal defensively, they could win some games. And sure enough, that's what happens. And they're I think it's yeah. happened, I should say. Yeah. And
1: I, I just, I just think like, that's, we talked about this before in the show. Like that's one of the reasons I don't take a ton of stock in the first quarter of the season. Like when I'm watching NFL football, the first quarter, like, it, yeah, it kind of lays a foundation for who you think teams are, but really teams don't become who they are until that, second or third quarter of the year and teams can kind of change their identity and um that has been hashed out perfectly this year like i look at seattle i look at tennessee i look at some of these teams that are the giants right who came out like gangbusters looking like they were going to take the league by storm and they've cooled a little bit so Mm -hmm. i think obviously like you know when vegas puts out that win total at the beginning of the year like vegas is not dumb they know what they're doing right and so right now i see I see the commander sitting at the seven win total which is what vegas picked at the beginning of the year and hopefully they can outperform that but it's only going to be just you know and i think a lot of these other teams are kind of coming back to average a little bit so um yeah i, I just it it is interesting how this kind of like midpoint of the year has been a tipping point i like how you mentioned jacksonville how they've kind of found something seemingly and they're beating you know apparently good football teams so uh, yeah, it's just it's awesome to watch each week. I mean, this week it was also kind of weird because there was like a whole bunch of teams on bye. There was like six teams on bye week, so there wasn't a lot of football going on. So I felt like half the league moved forward or backward, and then the other half was just kind of chilling. But yeah, man, it's it's a lot of fun to talk about, and I think it makes for good good watching every Sunday. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, so as it stands right now, um, which this should not change based off of Monday Night Football tonight, because the Cardinals are not going to enter this equation. I mean, they could enter like the next group of teams, but um, where the Commanders are, it won't affect them. Commanders currently sit sixth, so they are firmly in the playoff right now. Playoffs right now, thanks to losses by New York and Seattle. Uh, commanders enter the weekend in eighth out of the playoffs, but thanks to tiebreakers and the tie. Um, we're Seattle seven and six Washington and New York are seven, five and one Uh Washington wins the tiebreaker over New York based on win percentage in division games. They would currently sit sixth, which would get them a date with the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Yikes. Uh So that's, that's not ideal. Uh The, I mean, and that's also kind of the, the wacky thing this year Um it's ha- actually, no. Sorry, they would get. Would they get the Niners? Yeah, yeah they would. Uh-huh. Um, it was Minnesota the, for a while? But yeah, the Giants. The Giants would get Minnesota, and Dallas would get Tampa. Um, oh man! So you know, <laughs> it, depending on how this thing goes, um, you know, you almost might wind up being better seventh than yeah. sixth. Uh, but obviously. Right now, the the whole goal is to get in, and then then you go from there. But you know the the Niners are on the schedule coming up on Christmas Eve, so you could wind up whether it's Minnesota or um, Minnesota or San Francisco, you're going to wind up facing a team that you've already faced this year. Um, so that could be a, a super interesting one. If it's Minnesota, I mean, that could be a big time revenge game because it was one that the Commanders, you know, Ron talked about, like that one really ate him up. So, you know, that, that's going to be a fun storyline to watch. The seating, you know, and, and obviously whether or not they get in as we roll down the stretch. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Greg Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, Logan. Uh, let's take a look at the defense. Um, I, I got one question I want to get to from uh, someone who shot me a note on Twitter. But first, let's just overarching. You think about the defense, how it's developed this year. Big thoughts on the defense in, in the mode of a self-scout and, and how this uh, this team has come together.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, big, big picture thoughts. I think uh, schematically, I think they've kind of all started buying into what Jack Del Rio wants to do. I think obviously the defensive line is the strength of the team. And then, um, you know, they've gotten better production growth, I would say, from the linebacker unit in terms of Jamin Davis, because they really only play one linebacker consistently at this point, And it's Jamin. He's done a nice job. I think he's He's slow the last couple of weeks, but I just found out that he had a pretty significant injury and is kind of nursing that. So that kind of makes Mm -hmm. more sense to me. And then I think the back end, I think the back end development and kind of the musical chairs in terms of finding where people sit has been extremely instrumental, like getting um, William Jackson, the third out, Benjamin St. Just in. Um, huge. Uh, the emergence of um, Derek Forrest, I think, has been really nice just in terms of a guy who understands the system, plays physical, aggressive football. Cam Kroll, obviously one of the best safeties in the NFL by grade. And I think that hashes it out each week. And then Kendall Fuller, you know, people, I think, were very critical of him early on. And, uh, you know, over the last five games, he's done excellent. He's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, a little bit of that strength of schedule, strength of opponent. Um, but I think that's also what you get when Benjamin St. Juice can do some of that heavy heavy lifting for you and take some of those tougher matchups. You put him in a better spot to be successful. And then Bobby McCain moving to nickel has been, again, a huge asset in terms of just kind of allocating resources in the secondary. So I, I think I think if I was going to say one thing that was kind of unexpected was I kind of expected Jamin to develop. I don't think I expected him to develop this much. But the secondary and the pieces that have come come through there, you know, saint juiced uh Derek Forrest, like you've gotten two excellent starters excellent you know I, I feel very comfortable saying that and guys that understand the scheme understand what jack wants and then um you know that's awesome and then i think i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about how the chemistry of the defensive line like last year that was much maligned they you know they're not working together all this stuff and this year in the run game and the pass game they just understand each other really well and understand where to fit in and play off of each other and they've just obviously been one of the most dynamic groups in the nfl so i do think like on a smaller scale they've kind of struggled a little bit the last couple of weeks you know like struggled for them you know they haven't looked quite as yeah. dominant quite as assertive um and i think the bye comes at a really good time for them hopefully you get benjamin st juice back hopefully Jamin gets healthy in this bye week and then they can kind of make. and you know john's always kind of banged up can then you kind of make this push for the last four games
0: yeah. Um, someone asked me, actually, it was uh, speaking of Derek Forrest, different Derek Forrest, uh, the Derek Forrest who hosts the sports on DC News Now. <laughs> um, so I was doing TV with him on on Friday. And he goes, who's the defensive MVP? He actually asked me both offensive and defensive offensive is hard, man. Cause there's not like, I guess I, my, I went with Terry kind of by default. Um, I'd say
1: that Terry or Brian Robinson, I would say would be yeah. the one I would say just um, cause it, he kind of embodies your offensive philosophy. Yeah. But Terry for sure would be great. Terry.
0: I think it's just kind of on the most outstanding kind of it almost gets it by default. Um, but anyway, defensively I said, you know, Allen and Payne are the obvious choices and yeah. no, none of this happens without them. And, and so by nature, they are most valuable um, but if we were to try to pick someone who wasn't them cam curl to me is the guy yeah. that comes in and completely changes their i mean even when jackson was there things started to turn some and like solidify and then you had the william jackson adjacent coverage bus um, but like the rest <laughs> of the defense started yeah. to turn and get better when Cam Curl came back because he missed those first two games against Jacksonville where, yep. you know, you're a couple of Trevor Lawrence, easy misses away from a disastrous kind of day, Detroit where you have a disastrous kind of day. And then if you were to have Cam Curl in those games, you know, who knows what the record looks like. I mean, I guess they went one and one in those games anyway. Um, but statistically is they, you know, still float uh, lower than you'd think in some statistical categories because they had those first couple of games that were, that were, out of character based off the rest of their season. Like Cam Curl has been incredible all season long. And he's made up for such, uh, or he's made up for the loss of Cole in a lot of ways, Uh, which actually brings us to our question. Uh, someone asked, uh, and I promised them I would get it on the last pod, and then we wound up going super long on a bunch of offensive topics, so I apologize, yeah. uh, and I said I it to the top of my list for this one. So here we are, first question of the podcast that's not coming from me, and here is your question, but how have the, the commanders missed Cole Holcomb, and how big of a deal is it that he is gone for the rest of the year?
1: I mean, I think it's a huge deal, you know, uh, before I before the injury before the injury became like, oh, he's done for the year. I thought, oh, after the bye, he'll be able to come back. And I, and I really think it just it adds value because he's not like I think we like, I have to make highlights for players for, for segments on the show that I do, the command center show. And it's not like he's making all the, like these crazy splash splash plays, but he. Playing middle linebacker is very, very challenging You know, because you are kind of in the middle of the formation. You can get double teams from both sides. They can attack the perimeter of both sides. And then they that's the level of the defense where you want to attack is that middle linebacker spot, right? Because they have to step up and run. They have to step up to the fullback and there's a big void behind them. So very, very challenging. And I will say what Cole does an excellent job of is he's very, very just consistent. He's very, very, he's going to make the tackle. He's going to get guys lined up. And I think just having that kind of centering presence there at middle linebacker is big for not only the defense as a whole, but a guy like Jamin, who can kind of bump outside and play that edge spot and then um, getting guys lined up. And it just, he's the, he's the brain of the defense. Right. And I think Jamin deserves a ton of credit because he's played really well in his absence. But I think the whole defense just elevates a little bit, you know, when he's in the lineup. And I think it's not necessarily what you're going to see from a statistical perspective, but it's more like the emotional, kind of calming presence that he brings. And then the consistency of his play, like not overly flashy, but just uber consistent. Cause I think if you watch Jamin by comparison, Jamin makes so many splash plays. Like he's running sideline to sideline. He's blowing up guards and you see this tremendous physical ability. But in addition to the high ceiling of Jamin, you also see the floor right where he kind of makes mental mistakes. He's not in the right position all the time. And Cole, his floor is so high because he, he knows what he's doing, he knows where he fits, and he's also a great athlete. So I do think not having him back is a, is – I'm disappointed, honestly, because I, I like this defense with him there. But I think you bring up a really valid and that Cam Curl is also kind of that calming presence, or he has been in Cole's absence. And, you know, Damon's got the green dot now. That's been really cool to see a young player kind of step into that role. Uh, but I do think Cam – and, you know, Bobby deserves a lot of credit too. Like when you watch – The film, they, Cam, Bobby, Forrest, all three of those, it's really the chemistry of those three guys as opposed to just Cam being back that elevates the defense, right? Because they communicate really well. They play off each other. They know how to disguise stuff. So there was a tackle for loss in the New York Giants game, right, where Bobby's kind of um, backing up, you know, like in a quarter shell. He's standing right behind Cam, who looks like he's playing man-to-man coverage on the receiver. And then – they just kind of perfectly time up the rotation cam blitzes and is able to get a tackle for a loss. And I think that you don't get that just by cam being back. You get that by Bobby understanding how cam does it right. And Forrest right. understanding that this is the, like, I can hold it till right now because Bobby's going to hold it till right now. So like, I think right. that's, um, again, it's really disappointing to me that, that Cole's not going to be back because I think of that calming presence, but I think those three guys in the back end and their, their relationship together, um, kind of offset some of that i guess
0: right so the other thing that i think they miss specific to their schedule if you will with cole is the speed that he brings compared to his replacements right because bostic Bostic you're talking about bostic and mayo yeah bostic and mayo both super intelligent players Um, And they can try to be in the right spots, but they're not going to get there as quickly. Um, And it also means when plays get out of structure and there is no quote unquote right spot and it's time to go make a play, they're not as effective. And Cole is a guy who can go chase down Jalen Hurts or Daniel Jones or now Brock Purdy. Or who, pick your running quarterback who they faced a lot of, because that is mo, the guys playing quarterback in the league now often have that element of mobility to their game. And you think of the Philly game where, you know, oh my God, Jalen was about to go out and run and Jamin or Cole goes and chases him down. Um, or some of the games earlier this year where we saw similar things where they, we were really concerned about a scrambling quarterback. And those two guys were able to shut that down because they could keep eyes on the quarterback in a zone and then go run and, and get there before the quarterback picked up the first down. We talked about how valuable scrambles are because they often come in like situations where you need a first down, third downs. Um, and they often come, and they often achieve that, right? Well, if if you take off to run, don't get the first down. Well, that's that would then be equally valuable going back the other way, um, yeah. and and Cole's speed and his presence, which frees up Jamin to do even more. Um, I, I think is something they've missed in, in specifically in that New York game. Um, specifically, they missed it against Jones, who was able to pick up some of those. And I think of the play where everybody over pursues and then Jones scrambles back up the middle and. John Bostick's chasing him and eventually catches him, but how much quicker does Cole catch him? And those are the things where like, that's pretty simple analysis because it's just like, Hey, the faster guy would have gotten there faster. But like, that's, that also does matter in a league where scrambles and mobility for quarterbacks have immense value. And Cole is the kind of guy, because he is a 4-4 player, that's what he ran at his pro day. Um, He wasn't invited to the combine, something he would happily remind you of. Um, But, you know, at his pro day, when he ran a 4-4, like, that's – that's the kind of athlete that he is, and he also obviously sees it pretty quickly as well. We talk about the the mental side of it, but I think that's where they've missed him, and it's going to be interesting to watch again them matching up against New York this weekend, as well as a guy like Dak Prescott, even in the final week of the season. If if Dak's playing at that point, uh, you know anybody that can scramble, it, it becomes
1: a I mean, huge factor. Deshaun Watson, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of guys, right? Um, I, I I don't disagree with that. I, I also think he's got like. It's like certain, like je ne sais quoi, that certain like it factor, right? That certain element, right? Like he's, and he's grown up. Like he's taken. I t, he, like when I first started covering the team, like he wasn't, he wasn't overly dynamic. And I think he's just evolved from an intellectual standpoint, from a field standpoint, and has gotten to this point where he's like a serviceable starting middle linebacker. And I see, and I say serviceable, like in, as a as a positive, right? Because I think there's a lot of times people. Um, you know, they, they get bad middle linebacker play and he's not one of those guys. So um, I do think that's big. I think, um, you know, one of the things Jack's done to kind of mitigate that is, is kind of going to your guy, Cam Curl in these big nickel Cinco situations. And I think the more you can do that, the better, but you know, when you do that, you got to make sure that you trust Bobby, you trust Forrest, And then Percy Butler has been a guy that they've tried to bring in in rotational elements a little yeah. bit. So um, you know, like that's, that stresses you in a different way. And if, and if Cole's there, you're less stressed, but, um, I think they've done a good job of kind of getting by without him, but I just think the defense becomes more complete with him there. Um, and that's not an indictment of Jamin cause I think he's done an excellent, uh, he's done an excellent job. He's, he's playing really, really good football and the defense as a whole is playing well, but I just think it gives you a little bit more margin for error, you know, if he's in the lineup. And so obviously, um, it's too bad that he's going to miss the year. And I'm not sure when his contract's up, but... You oh, know, he's a might, free agent this, this yeah, offseason. I would imagine this would affect that pretty dramatically. So that's kind of a bummer for him because I'm not sure... I'm not sure you bring him back. You know, I think you want to. I think that's something that... Well, that's actually that I something
0: up. I was about to ask you. Is Jamin... Jamin has the green dot. Is he playing yeah. Mike or is he still playing Will?
1: So they kinda of, it's interesting. Uh he does play Mike in certain situations, but like on the goal line, for example, against uh not the goal line, but like they were at the five or the six yard line versus the New York Giants. Cam is playing what essentially amounts to like a middle linebacker spot, and Bobby is playing what amounts to the Sam and Jamin is playing the will just by alignment, right? Mm-hmm. So they've kind of you know worked in ways to keep Jamin roughly in his same spot, and obviously like um, you know, kudos to cam to be able to like come in and do that, you know, yeah. um, and Forrest also kind of getting in that Sam linebacker, extra safety in the box type of role. Um, and so they've, they've, yes, they've done both. He's played middle linebacker mostly on first and second down, but then, you know, they'll sprinkle in these one where he's obviously the will and Bostick's the mic or he's the will and cam's kind of that pseudo Mike type player. Right. So, um, that's been an interesting kind of development, I think.
0: Yeah. And so that obviously affect the reason I ask and on the heels of the Cole question is like, when you think about whether or not to bring Cole Holcomb back, like, do you trust Jamin to play middle linebacker in year right. three full time? Uh, and is that his highest and best use? And, you know, I guess we'll find out this offseason, uh, depending on what they do. I mean, it also depends on who's making the decision. Just, you know, I, obviously, I think Jack at this point is wanted back uh, in a way that maybe he wasn't uh, earlier in the season, yeah. but just jack want to come back that was something that was you know very yeah. heavily rumored uh it was like oh well it doesn't really matter it's his last year anyway like he doesn't even want to come back um you know we'll we'll see um it, but in, in going into the offseason and what whoever is in place uh is looking to do uh the, the last thing i have to say real quick on the defense uh there's no question the guy that you know with all due respect to cole the guy they need back right now is is benjamin st juice 100 percent um that is Derek asked me. Derek Forrest on DC News now asked me like, what's the biggest surprise of the the season? And like that one was easy. Offensive and defensive MVP are kind of hard. Yeah. Um, biggest surprise, St. Juice, since he's been outside, has been incredible, and you saw the difference on Sunday without him. Um, Against a Giants team, by the way, that doesn't have a lot of weaponry. Yep. Uh, but all of a sudden you get against, you know, San Francisco in a couple weeks. Uh, where Ayuk's out there running around and McCaffrey's out there running around. And, um, you know, hopefully we get great news on Debo Samuel uh, and that he's not done for the season uh, with the injury that he suffered yesterday. There's some early reports that he had avoided major injury. Um, but obviously, they've got to run tests and whatever today. But regardless, like they've got to get st juice back um and they, it it is a reminder of how thin they are in the secondary that yeah. they cannot afford to lose fuller or st juice uh because otherwise they are they are dancing skating whatever on the thinnest of ice
1: yeah i think um that's 100 percent true and i'm glad you mentioned fuller because if e- either one of those guys has any yeah. type of injury where they have to miss time like You know, I think Christian Holmes is a good football player. I think he's done a great job on special teams. and I think he's got some physical tools that get you excited for his upside, but he has not played great in his time as the starter. Right. And I think um, he's a young football player that's to be expected, but uh, you know, Danny Johnson's done a good job stepping in and spot duty, but he's not, he's not Kendall Fuller and he's not Benjamin St. Juice. So and there's a reason that they have moved Bobby McCain to nickel, right, is because they are, I don't want to say they doubt him as a coverage player, I think they have a lot of faith in him, but um, I think they feel like Bobby was doing a better job. And I think Bobby has done a better job. So, um, you know, we really have two starting caliber corners than everybody else who's kind of a rotational, special teams type of piece, and it really makes it tough. I think to, to walk that margin for error. And again, in terms of roster construction, everyone says, Ooh, you know, look at, look at where they're at, look at the defense. But this is one of those things in the off season where you're kind of like, everyone was kind of wringing their hands about secondary depth. And, um, and I here is showing you why. And obviously they traded William Jackson, the third. And I think that affects this in a pretty dramatic way, but uh, I mean, it is just the margin for error is just very, very small with that group. And in terms of health, and uh, you know, football is a physical game. There's a lot of stuff that just pops up, and you know, like they they can. I, I don't want to say they can't win football games, but they can't beat good teams without both those guys out there. And yeah, that's really what the what the score comes down to.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they've got obviously good teams left on their schedule. And uh, when you get to the playoffs, Logan, there's, there's there's good football teams. There's of good teams there. I know. <laughs> it's crazy how that works. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. You can catch me weekday afternoons on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Catch Logan on Command Center on the Commander's YouTube page, and you can catch both of us. Every well, I guess not Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, for countdown to kickoff, every before kickoff on countdown <laughs> to kickoff because we are going to be, I believe, six o'clock to, to 8 20 on Sunday because they got Sunday night football coming up. Um, by the way, we actually haven't talked about that, so let's let's try to squeeze two things in here in here yeah. real quick in the next 10 minutes before this podcast is over. Um, one, how big of a deal is it that this is Sunday night football then going into Saturday football? across the country san francisco like some people have made a pretty big deal about out of it including by the way ron rivera pretty ticked off about it yeah. um how big of a deal is that as a player to like try to first of all just the difference between a sunday one o'clock and a sunday night i know how different it was as a reporter and i didn't recover well and i didn't yeah. have to play a snap um and then the west coast trip day early the whole
1: thing so just to give you like like logistically right so obviously you're not going to finish the game until like 11 o'clock. Right. And mm-hmm. you want to start your prep. I don't want to say immediately, but pretty close after the game, not for, um, you know, not even to review the film, but kind of want to get started on San Francisco. That film won't be up till probably one 32 AM. Right. So you kind of lose that post game prep time, which is, you know, a couple hours, but it's significant, right. Cause got to get your install ready for Tuesday. Right. And on a short week, that night might even be Monday. So, I, in terms of work week schedule with the trip, it is a big deal. It's going to be tough to get those guys back to 100%. They're probably just going to go, they're probably in a straight walkthrough mode already. I think it helps coming off the buy. And if you're smart, if you're Ron, you kind of say, let's start prepping some San Francisco stuff this week because we just saw the Giants. So if we can get kind of that foundation laid so we don't have to kind of be scrambling to prep post um, so Giants. So you talking game. about as a coaching staff or with the players? The coaching staff. I'm saying the coaching staff, they need to prep that. They need to be, that needs to be prepped so that they can just kind of come in on Monday and be like, Hey, this is the cover three package for San Francisco. Obviously we're still like, Would you have just
0: basically taken the bye week and be like, guys, we don't have a bye week. We have San Francisco prep week and then we're going to go back into Giants mode and then go back into San Francisco mode. Cause in that way it kind of would, I guess, work out. Thank God for the bye.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how maybe, maybe not that the structure is irrelevant. It just is like, we're going to prep for the Giants. And then, you know, we're going to prep for, prep for the Giants for five hours a day. And then for the last three hours, let's make sure we're starting to lay the foundation for San gotcha. Francisco from a coaching standpoint. And so you just have all the cut-ups ready. You have all that stuff ready so you can kind of accelerate that process. So in a way, it is good for the buy, but it does make the buy less enjoyable for the coaching staff, I think, which is probably one of Ron's frustrations. And also the recovery. That trip to San Francisco is a nightmare. I never went to San Francisco when I played here, but I did go to Seattle. It's a beast of a trip, right? Because it's it's a long flight. There's a big time change. Um, you're playing really early in the day kind of for your body clock. And um, and then the trip back is tough, right? Because you don't get back until way later in the evening. So it's, it's a tough trip, and it's against a good opponent. I think one of the reasons Ron's probably frustrated, or I'm assuming he's frustrated, is because San Francisco – is the team, is the, is the better team. Right. So you want as much time to get ready for them as possible. So, um, I, I think it is a big deal. Um, but ultimately no one cares, right? No one cares. Cause you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, if I, the win loss
0: record doesn't care. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a win or a loss and it will go or a tie as we found out, uh, or, and it's going to go in that column. I think the other thing just from like a physical standpoint, you talk about the recovery, like sleep, is the most important recovery tool you have. And when you are juiced up after a Sunday night game, win or loss or tie, it's going to be hard to go to bed. It, and that's your first night of recovery. So instead of finishing a game at four o'clock, getting home by six, six 30, having a good dinner, getting nutrition in yeah. like you and, and then getting a good night's sleep, you are, trying to get home as fast as possible after finishing a game at 11, you know, anyone that's gone, Remember, players all live in like Ashburn, Northern Virginia yeah. area. You're going from, from Landover, like you're nutrition, like you're not going to well, be you're eating not, a full meal at like 11 said, o'clock at
1: night. And like you said, you're up. Like, right. it's really hard to come down from a game. So I remember doing these, uh, like primetime games. So Monday night, Thursday Sunday night, night. Yeah. and not really being able to go to sleep until like 3am. Cause right. you're just up and um and i so i talked to Chad about this actually kind of to your point from a from a recovery side and he was like it's a nightmare man because you know no one went to sleep no one ate food so you know thank god coach is, has been a good done a good job this year of pushing back start times on monday but he's mm-hmm. like we can't do anything physical it's like pretty much like warm up stretch roll out recovery in the building and then to the next thing like you know walk so- through maybe Yeah. But even then
0: you're not mentally as sharp. Right. Like it's just, it's just a it's Monday becomes a wasted day. Um and it's one thing to have Monday on a wasted day. It's worth it. It's Sunday night football, whatever, when you've got a full week. But to have it on to go to Saturday, that's a that's a that's a rough gift.
1: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
0: We got five five minutes or so left in the podcast, uh, and this is a, a question we could do an entire podcast on, but let's just kind of try to scratch the surface of it real quick. And uh, this one's from Morgan, sent it to you on Instagram. Um, should we consider going all in on Kyler Murray next year, something a bit smaller than the, what the Broncos paid for Russ. He continued and says, uh, There's always a team that, the, like the Rams two years ago, that is seemingly a quarterback away from seriously contending and it's damn near negligent for a said team to keep rolling out mediocre to bad quarterbacks. Kyler is really the only good young quarterback that might be available, and he's on a manageable contract for the next few years. Why not go all in on a guy like that? Okay, I'm going to editorialize a little bit. One, we do not know that Kyler Murray is going to be available. Um, He just this past offseason signed an extension, and when when he says it's a manageable contract, I guess, but it's also the (laughs) non-Deshaun Watson absolute, everyone hates the Browns for signing that contract, even if it wasn't given to the worst person in the NFL. Um, Like that's still a monster contract. But I mean, then again, that's what quarterbacks cost. So um, that, that is what it is. But and then the last part I would say too, is setting, you know, this is, I'm now leading you a little bit in the answer, um, but I guess I get to answer too. Lead away. You're,
1: you know, you're uh, you're hosting too, or you're you're hosting an analyst. It's a tough gig, Craig.
0: the, The Rams made the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Um, yeah. so the commanders, you know, well, they didn't win it until they got Matt Stafford. They didn't make the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. So to let's, let's see what the commanders do with Taylor Heineke this year, certainly. And Goff is better than Heineke. Um, but it, it's not like you're hundred percent at that level. That said, I think the premise of the question is super interesting yeah. because they do have a fantastic defense. They do have really good skill position players. Um, there's some other holes in the team. But like, I I guess the crux of the question really is, Logan, how aggressive should Washington be at this point going after any veteran quarterback that might be available in a trade? Or even, I will add to the question and say, giving up resources to move up in the draft and take someone they like in the top 10, let's say.
1: Yeah, um that's a really good question i mean that's like that is the question when you're building a team right is like how do you get your quarterback and that's been ron's question that's everybody's asking that all the time and i to in in response to the question i would say it really depends on how close you think this roster actually is and then when you are giving up financial resources and when you're giving up draft capital you're basically saying like we're ready right now and i would say that this team is not ready right now for, Mm. for a couple of reasons so let's just talk about one of the the most significant issues i think which is the offensive line when you are bringing in a good quarterback you need good offensive line play and if you look at kansas city you look at the bills you look at philly right i mean those are probably three of the best offensive lines in the nfl like pass protection and run blocking they just get dogs and you know it's not all the top end talent you know like buffalo their right tackle was like a fifth round pick who's grown up right um kansas city uh trey smith was a fifth round pick obviously for medical reasons all that kind of stuff Um, but they've cultivated a roster that can support the quarterback position and support this tiered offense in terms of attacking down the field so i would say they don't need to go out and spend a ton of money but they definitely need to find a way to invest resources there if you're paying the quarterback free agency is essentially off the table in my opinion right you can't go out and say oh let's go sign the best or even like a top 10 free agent right tackle or right guard or whatever the position is right so that's a factor and I think and I and I would like them again you can do that in the draft last year would have been a good year because like it was super tackle heavy dense Um, and I'm sure you can find guys in this year's draft but again that's tough you got to really comb through and make that. and then they're rookies I mean that's that's,
0: even if you find someone who you really like and is going to be an all-pro player Unless they come in and they're awesome from day one, like you're still dealing with a rookie if you're talking about winning right now.
1: And if you're trading draft capital either to move up or as a package for this this player that you want to trade for, Kyler Murray in this example, Lamar Jackson maybe, um, you are losing the opportunity to kind of get that blue chip player at the top of the draft. So I think that's – I would say from that standpoint, the roster doesn't feel ready to me. He doesn't feel ready to make that type of move. And then you've got to look at defensively. And, uh, you know, Deron Payne is having one of the most outstanding years for a defensive tackle ever. He is going to be very hard to resign if you pay a lot of money to a quarterback. So how does that degrade your defense immediately? It, it, it impacts your ability to resign Montez Sweat. It, you know, all of those things become impacted, right? When Jamin comes up, how can you resign him? And the defense right now is carrying the team. And it seems weird to kind of, parcel that out. You're probably trading a defensive player to get Kyler Murray here. So um like you're you're saying goodbye to like Montez Sweat. Probably. Yeah, probably. And again, so without those pieces, does Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or insert whoever you want here, do they bring enough value add to this roster as it is right now? And I think looking at LA, for example, just because that was the example given like, they are, they will be suffering the consequences of trading for Matt Stafford for a couple of years. They just don't have any depth on the roster, right? They have a couple of very, very good football players, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and then nobody else. And I think when you look at their offensive line as a good kind of juxtaposition with the commanders, they have the worst-rated offensive line in the NFL. Their offense right. is non-tenable. They have skill position players who are pretty solid, right? Obviously, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson – um, some kind of uh, van jefferson some pieces like that but they can't get the football to them because the quarterback's always on his back so again i don't think that this team this roster in the current iteration for the commanders is ready for a fire sale to get a quarterback i think if they could get a young quarterback that would be ideal but again that's super super challenging there are a couple this year that i think you feel pretty good about but i the fire sale thing i think like look at look at the broncos for example you know last year everyone was saying you know you need to get in on the russell wilson sweepstakes the commander's trying to get in i was very anti that because i didn't think russell was playing that well and obviously like i feel very validated because he hasn't played that well but that franchise has now they have an albatross around their neck for the next four years four Four years they can't get out of that contract they can't bring new talent in What's that roster going to look like when you can't resign those defensive pass rushers? When that deep when Patrick well, Sertan Bradley Chubb, yeah, when Patrick Sertan comes up on contract, like, can yeah. you resign him? Like, probably not. And so I think those are the types of issues you got to look at and say, like, do we trust that Kyler Murray, which again has been very up and down in his play, he's obviously very very talented, and it would be awesome for from a market standpoint, from a conversation standpoint, to get him here, but can he elevate this roster and my answer is probably not you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean he could elevate it to a point he's not going to elevate it to the point of 46 million dollars a year or whatever he's making like that's that's what you're ultimately asking this was my thing with Carson Wentz would you rather pay Marcus Mariota 12 and get 12 yeah. million dollars of quarterback play or pay Carson Wentz 28 and maybe get 16 yeah like you're it's just a it's a lot of you know it's market inefficiency and Kyler Murray could help elevate a bad offensive line because he runs around like Sonic the Hedgehog. But he also is not so consistently good that it's actually going to be worth it. And so there, it's like elevate it to what? And I don't think that the rest of the roster, to your point, would be able to hold up with the holes it would have because you are using that money to pay Kyler Murray. Um, to that end, if I'm going to give up something for something... I'm willing to give up some capital to go and take a guy I love in the draft. If I'm convinced he's great, um, then at least you get him for five years on pretty good money. You give up some draft capital in order for the right to do that, and you do not know what he is going to be because that's the nature of quarterback prospects. But if you're going to do it, that's the way I would do it. I think the best way is, uh, honestly, just understand it's a bit of a crapshoot and yeah. commit to a guy who's pretty talented in the draft, uh, but falls to you, and take that guy. Like, yeah. don't give up anything. Um, and there's always a chance, like, I mean, look, Mahomes was, what, the 10th pick? It was yeah. like he was one overall. Um, you know, Lamar's Deshaun, 25. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun yeah, Watson, Watson, was... Watson was a later pick. Um, you know, you have a lot of these guys that kind of get to the middle of the first round,
1: Um And And they're on better teams. They're on better rosters. And so they play better. I mean, like going back even farther, like Joe Flacco, uh, Big Ben, they went to good teams. They were later in the draft, right? Right. So I do think that there is value there. And then kind of look at what Scott's done this year in terms of insulating Taylor, right? Like you can insulate a young quarterback with a good defense. Like this is what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. They took a guy in the third round. He, he punched up for a couple of years, but the defense and the run game with Marshawn Lynch allowed him to grow. And then when it was time for him to kind of step into his own and own that team, he was able to, you know, and I think um, there is a world where that is a viable thing. You just got to really trust your second tier quarterback evaluation because the top guys I think are pretty top because they're really good football players, right? Right. But. You know, when you're gonna be picking, which is probably about where they picked last year, maybe a little bit later, so like 16, 17 in the draft, whatever it is. Yeah, then you might second wind round up p- like 20. Yeah. Yeah, then your second round pick, it's like, shoot, who's gonna be there? You can move up and down a little bit, but I do think that I I have always preferred that methodology because it gives you more flexibility. You're not kind of selling the farm for one player. Obviously, that works with Pate Manning. Obviously, that works Matthew Stafford going to LA and I think a lot of people say oh well what if Matthew Stafford came here it's not the same result it's Matthew Stafford in Detroit again happening here right and so I think um, I think when I look at the when I look at the situation when I look at the roster there's still a lot of holes there's still a lot of we just mentioned cornerback like you need some depth there right do you draft a guy what do you do there so there's there's a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed here and selling the farm doesn't allow you to do that
0: Right. Uh, we will do probably entire podcasts on that in the off season. Hopefully, yeah, we can get like some GMs yeah. and and you know a personnel guy or someone to come on and talk about it as well as our own uh, thoughts on it. But wanted to to answer that question because it came in and it was it was a good and interesting one to throw a specific name uh, at the problem in terms of Kyler Murray as well. All right, uh, Wednesday we will get into the Philly New York game a little bit deeper. What can Washington take from what Philadelphia did and their beat down of the Giants? Is Giants Commanders round two is coming up on sunday and we'll answer some more questions as well and then thursday well actually we'll get it we'll kind of mix it up this week because we'll do more of our preview on wednesday okay and thursday night seven o'clock our plan is to do the live podcast so we are still planning on doing that uh we will tweet out instagram out the details once we have them but our plan as of right now is thursday night to go live tape the podcast and then uh, we'll put it out friday morning for those of you that can't join us thursday evening so make sure that you're subscribed on odyssey sports youtube page if you want to take that in live and uh other than that subscribe like wherever you're listening or watching right now and we'll see you wednesday for take command make sure you're subscribed Wherever you're listening right now, uh, because obviously, if you're listening there, our, our podcast is available, and, the, and then you can subscribe there, and then you can have it anytime we put out a
1: new episode. Anytime you want it, and it helps us out, guys. Help us out. Help yeah, us and, help if, you. If you
0: don't want to do it for your own listening good, uh, do it for us. Be altruistic, or whatever that version is. I like that. Yeah,
1: I, I, that's a good word.